Okay, and welcome back to Fast Ship Performance. I'm Tim Davies, and today's post talks about arguments that happen in the cockpit, and they do happen in the cockpit. It also talks about how to have better relationships uh, and be liked at parties, which is pretty apt for this festive season. Before I start, though, I'd just like to say thanks for some of the more international um, commentators that are following my blog. Uh, I've got a lot of guys from India. Now, I don't know whether uh, you guys realize out there, but in the late, uh, must have been in the late 2000s, we were instructing Indian pilots on 208 Squadron and 19 Squadron RF Valley, and I used to teach some of those guys. Uh, we sent guys back to India, and they went on to fly the MiG-21, the Sukhoi 30 MKI, and the MiG-29. I don't think we put any guys onto the Mirage 2000, but I'm not too sure what they were um, being streamed at back then. So some of those guys are still commenting, which is really nice. Um, there's uh, Australia, uh, the first officers and the captains from Qantas. I get a lot of uh, feedback back from uh, those guys and girls, and I really appreciate that. Uh, maybe that's because I spoke about Richard Champion of Christmas's QF32 once, which is a great book if you haven't read it. That's um, QF32, talking about Richard Champion of Christmas, who was a captain on an A380 that had one of its, uh, I think it was the number two Trent 900 power plants um, destroy itself in flight. He managed to uh, take that jet back to Changi. And um, and luckily, there was no loss of life on that one, which was good. Uh, also, the guys from North America, uh, especially in the USAF and the US Navy, who are commenting, which is really good. I haven't got any USMC or USF, uh, US Army guys yet, but that's fine. I'm sure we're all going to have that conversation at some point. And really, I'd just like to talk about the guys um, that, and thank you, the guys that are in business and in industry, um, especially photographers that follow the site and, ha- and uh, allow me to use some of their photographs. I really appreciate that. And uh, the guys that just comments, really, the comments are really important because what the comments do when you comment on the website or iTunes or what else I'm putting out there on YouTube, whatever it might be, it allows me to kind of narrow down uh, where we're going and really kind of deep dive into what you guys and, and girls are interested in. So thank you for that. Um, if you can comment on iTunes, if you are listening it on iTunes, that would be beneficial for me because it helps kind of get that more exposed um, uh, area on iTunes, which is great. And any comments on the website are really appreciated. If you want to write me emails, by all means, I read everything and I will uh, write back if I can to everything as well. Um, I even send stuff to work if I'm on a supervisory duty. It allows me on the squadron to just pen a few uh, words back to you during the day. Right, have changed the website a little bit. Have a look at the front of it. I've put on the top right-hand corner the most popular posts. Go and have a look at that. And the one we're going to talk about today, um, arguments in the cockpit, how to have better relationships and be liked at parties. That's got over 400 likes at the moment. And this is the one we're going to have a quick um, talk about now. The picture that I've actually got on that uh, post on the website, if you want to hop across and see that, that was taken by a photog in Scotland uh, about two minutes before um, my friend and I, my navigator and myself were on a target run where communication in the cockpit broke down and it didn't go very well. Uh, in fact, I had a text from him last night saying, yeah, I recognize myself in that story there. Uh, he's doing very well in the service, probably a lot better than I am doing. So let's have a read then, really. So arguments in the cockpit, how to have better relationships and be liked at parties. We all know that pilots are an overconfident bunch. You've seen the airline captain wearing sunglasses as he walks through the airport terminal, or you've met the pilot who insists on telling you what he does for a living before you've even asked. But pilots have also flawed in other ways. The problem stems from the fact that normally pilots have always been the best at what they've done when growing up. So much so that they will even avoid or stop doing something that they are not very good at just because they are not very good at it. If they played rugby in the first team at school but suck at playing the guitar, then the focus will drift more into, the, more into their sporting rather than their musical endeavours. Pilots want to solve things and be impressive to people. And if they can't, then they quickly lose interest. 
and this can come across as egotistical. But they are not alone with their narcissistic attributes. Who has never said, when I lose some weight, get a new car, or climb Mount Kilimanjaro, people will think I'm awesome and I'll have loads of friends? Pilots want to impress people. Of course they do. But so does everybody else. But what if I said that the secret of being liked was not to be impressive, but to be impressed? One of the strangest things that I've found is that the less I say at parties, the more people talk about me. If I meet someone and they talk about themselves all evening, I'll hear back the next day that they think we had a great conversation, even though they only spoke about themselves all night. Here's a quote. Hearing is one of the body's five senses, but listening is an art. That's a guy, Frank Tiger. You see, people want to be heard. Facebook and Twitter know this. People want to be valued and needed. It's normal, and we all do it. If you talk too much and try and impress people, you run the risk of being seen as arrogant. But if you listen to what people are saying, ask questions, and take an interest in their lives, then you validate their ideas, and people like that. In fact, people like that a lot. It also means that we can learn from each other. Here's another quote. Let a fool hold his tongue and he will pass for a sage. That's from Pub Lilius Cyrus uh, in the first century BC, Maxim 914. Now, often pilots don't understand this too well and they will jump in with their take on the world at every opportunity. But something I've realized over my many years flying military jets is that a little humility can go a long way. In a flight debrief, when it's obvious that a pilot has made an error but isn't forthcoming with it, I will highlight an area where I could have done better in the hope that the open forum I've now created will allow them to contribute their error too. Some pilots, of course, will do everything they can to hide their mistakes. It is rare in flying communities, but it does exist. Every so often, though, communication breaks down to such a level that pilots argue. Normally on the squadron, it'll be in a briefing area, office or crew room, and with an audience who do not appreciate that the fine and harmonious balancing of egos is about to be redefined. People value being understood more highly than being agreed with. Now we can all put up with people not agreeing with us, but if we feel misunderstood, we'll continue the discussion in an attempt to clarify our point, and it is at this point that an argument happens. If an argument does break out, it is normally put to bed quickly through reasoning from the other pilots in the room, and eventually one side backs down. In a debrief or office with fewer people around, it is normally the most senior pilot or highest rank who will stop the exchange by saying, take this outside of the room, which really means stay on message here, guys, remain professional and finish this after. Sometimes, though, arguments can happen in the cockpit. Now, I used to fly with a friend of mine who was a navigator, and that's now called a weapons system officer. When we were training in Scotland, we would learn to fly the Tornado GL4, and we would party like the best of them. As a student course, we would go on holidays together, always hit the bar on a weekend, and have a crazy time. And my friend was a great guy. He still is a great guy. That's what I meant, of course. But in the air, he was a nightmare. He was one of the best navigators on the course and was a very focused individual. We had been paired up together to do our crew solo, the sortie where students fly in the jet together for the first time, without an instructor. Chance of death, pretty high. And it was on this sortie that we had an argument that would mean that we would never fly with each other again. We had managed to get the jet airborne, a feat in itself for two students flying together for the first time, and were buzzing off each other with some serious aircrew banter. It was pretty awesome. It felt like we'd stolen this huge 25-ton combat jet. The RAF must have been mad to have let us take it. We climbed over to the west coast of Scotland, ditched air traffic control, and descended through the clouds southbound, 
leveling over the Isle of Skye at 250 feet and 420 knots. We were to head to our target, which was to be a bridge on which we would drop or simulate dropping four times 1,000 pound retard bombs. The planning for the sortie had taken three hours and the brief another one, and the rules were pretty simple. If we hit our target and didn't crash, then we'd pass the sortie. In the back seat, my buddy started going through his checks for the target run. For the attack, the nav must allocate weapons to the target and set up the defensive aid suites to protect against enemy fire. But as we approached the target area, I knew that something was wrong. Sam, I called out. I don't have a weapons package in the head-up display. I've given it to you. You have it, he replied. Now confused, I checked my switches in the HUD again. It didn't look right. I was pretty sure of it. I don't have anything. You need to steer me to the target and give me the package, I said, referencing the fact that he hadn't given me the information that I needed to prosecute the attack. As I started to push the jet up to the attack speed of just under 540 knots, I saw the steering carrot and range to target appear in the HUD. We were now only five miles away and traveling at nine miles per minute. We would be over the target in just over 30 seconds. Sam, do your checks again. We're five miles to target. Do the checks again quickly. Hit the fix attack key, I shouted, trying to tell him what he needed to do. I've done them. Stop shouting at me. You have everything. You have the weapon package. I looked again at my HUD. Had I missed something? 10 seconds to release. I don't have a bomb four line or target bar, mate. I've got no package or height sensor. I can't commit. I have nothing to drop. I put my weapon switches to live. Fuck, he said from the back seat. Why don't you say so? It was too late and we'd run out of time. We overflew the target, completely exposed to what, had been, what would have been an intense barrage of enemy fire and with no weapons to actually reply with. Damn it, Sam. Did you even have your check cards out? I shouted, thinking that he had freestyled his checks instead of reading them out from his flight reference cards. Why didn't you tell me earlier that you didn't have a bomb four line? He snapped back. The cockpit fell silent. As I climbed us out of low level and started to head home, we both felt the disappointment. When we landed, our instructors failed the sortie. Now I failed it for shouting in the cockpit and Sam for messing up his checks. Both of us had displayed very poor crew resource management and had not worked as a team. Sam was embarrassed about his checks and me about losing my temper. We were both quite hardworking guys and ashamed of our performance. We never flew together again. We agreed that we were just unable to get on with each other in the cockpit whilst also learning to fly the jet. The rest of the course loved the HUD footage of our argument and thought it was great fun, although the instructors would go on to use it as an example of what not to do. Our argument had been caused by my inability to explain myself in a manner that my nav could understand whilst operating in a high-pressured environment. An inability to communicate and my attempts at giving my nav my solution had caused the argument to occur. And recently, one of my team instructors came to me and told me that he had gotten angry with a student whilst airborne. And I had to repeat the mantra to him, there are no bad students, only bad instructors. As he later admitted to me, he was actually angry with himself. He could not explain well enough what he wanted the student to do, and the student couldn't understand what was being asked of him. At home, sometimes my wife would tell me about her day at work, and naturally, because I'm a pilot, I will attempt to offer solutions to all of her problems. Why can't you just listen to me? She will snap back. As I'm now finding out, it's the same in the office as it is in the cockpit and the home. It's about getting people to understand your point of view, and often whilst under considerable pressure. 
Frustration happens because one person feels that the other person is misinterpreting what they are saying. It's normally because of an inability of one or both people to verbalize exactly what they mean or just because actually we're not listening to what is being said. If this happens, then I find that asking for clarification or examples of what they mean helps my understanding, as does telling the other person how what they are saying is affecting me. The biggest communication problem is that we do not listen to understand. We listen to reply. Next time you're at a party, try listening to what someone is actually saying. Find something they've said that is of interest to them and ask questions about it. Remember that the key to being liked is not to try and be impressive to them, but in allowing yourself to be impressed by them. Listen twice as much as you talk is why you have two ears and one mouth. So whether in the office with your colleagues, at home with family, or on a low-level attack run with a stressed-out navigator, it's worth remembering that sometimes people don't want a solution. They just want to be heard. Okay, team, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm trying to get an ebook together that hopefully I'll be out for the new year. It will be free. Of course it will be. We don't charge stuff here. Uh, it's going to be a summation of everything we've been talking about in 2015, and hopefully it will be uh, able to be a bit of a cheat guide, a way that we can increase our performance throughout 2016 and become more awesome than we already are. Have a great Christmas. Have a great new year. Tim Davies, Fast Performance. <laughs>